Let's go back to a time where you could attend a rock concert at a shopping mall and maybe catch Tiffany, who we're going to talk about in this edition of the Super It's podcast. It's I Think We're Alone Now. Let's do it. Hello, friends. It's your favorite bumbling bank teller, JVC, a.k.a. Megamix.com. I'm here with my co-host and pet, the lovable Mogwai known as Slip with Five Eyes. Uh, so, well, pal, I better not feature after midnight or we're all in big trouble. It's That's a Christmas fucking movie. And... Listen, listen. This will pay off. I swear to you. All right. It's I, I pay off you. on this episode. Hey, what I meant to say was... <laughs> The funny thing was is that uh, when I was doing the intro, I called, I just out of nowhere, I was just like, I'm going to call you a gremlin. And then as I'm doing my research, it all something comes to light. Oh, so nice. Exciting. All right. <laughs> so, uh, f- uh, folks, it's uh, episode 78 of the Super Hits Podcast. Uh, we are now into our 12th month of recording this show. Yes. It's uh, December 2nd, 2022. Uh, we kicked off this cockamamie experiment way back on the last day of January. My only thing that I can say is, can you believe it? I, I kind of I can. Every like six weeks, I'm all, can you believe it? Yeah, made it this far. Um, yeah, I can too. I mean, we've done a few podcasts that have gone for many years. Today, I'm leading the way. Uh, we're going to examine the second single off the first album that I ever bought with my own money. Nice. Uh, it's the 1987 number one smash hit from Tiffany. It's called I Think We're Alone Now. So let's get right into it. All right. So, uh, Tommy James and the Shondells were a Michigan pop rock group who had scored a number one hit in the U.S. in 1966 with a song called Hanky Panky. Um, you probably recognize the title. I would assume you would recognize the tune. Do you remember Hanky Panky? Probably. I mean, what a saucy title. My baby title. does the Hanky Panky. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, it's garbage. Uh-huh. A little note from the Wiki on Hanky Panky, if you, if, if you want to hear this. Um, the lyrics of this song convey the excitement of a hormonal lad driven mad by a girl who knows how to do the suggestive dance of the title. So horniness. Uh-huh. So, Great. Now, listen, we've already taken a look at a cover of one of the group's other songs. Um, back in episode 17, we broke down Billy Idol's version of uh, Moni Moni. Yes. Which was a number one hit for uh, Tommy James and the Shondells and a number one hit for Billy Idol. A year later, they released uh, I Think We're Alone Now. Uh, it's a fairly nice little piece of music. Uh, it was written by Richie Cordell, who would also go on to write Moni Moni. It thumps along. The vocals, vo- the vocals are syrupy sweet, and there are these uh, ridiculous cricket chirping sound effects uh, to enhance the uh, the isolation can can you know that it conveyed by the lyrics, um, or as the Wiki says, that give an atmosphere of forbidden activities that are being <laughs> deliberately kept hidden. Uh huh. So again, just holiness. fucking say it. <laughs> Um, I think We're Alone Now was a big hit in North America. It reached number four in the U.S. and number six here in Canada. Uh, rock critic Lester Bangs <laughs> called the single the bubblegum apothe- apotheosis. I-, I have no idea. Sure. Um, 20 years later, it would uh, be it would be uh, a song that would propel the teen country singer turned wannabe pop star who toured malls to get her new gimmick over yes. into, uh, into the national spotlight. That would be Tiffany, Tiffany Darwish, who made her music debut at age 10 with country music singer, singer Jack Reeves at a country and western venue called Nayrods in Chino, California. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, while singing at the Palomino Club, she was discovered by Hoyt Axton. Wait a minute, the Palomino, Club, the Palomino Club on, on Portage Avenue in Winnipeg? I, I wish. Uh-huh. Nope. Uh, Hoyt Axton was a singer, songwriter, and actor 
who appeared in dozens of movies and TV shows in his career, including 1984's Gremlins. Nice. So you see, I told you I'd pay it off. <laughs> anyway, Hoyt's mom, May, took Tiffany to sing in Nashville, Tennessee, where she performed on WSMV's The Ralph Emery Show, where she sang Queen of Hearts by Juice Newton mm-hmm. and uh, Tammy Wynette's Your Good Girl's Gonna Go Bad. Then in 1985, Tiffany appeared on Star Search with Ed Big Meng, where she finished in second place to some, to some jabroni named Melissa Moultrie. Uh-huh. Uh, their Star Search matchup is actually on YouTube. Um, Tiffany is billed as Tiffany Renee, which is her middle name, and she's rocking a massive mullet uh-huh. and this like ridiculous tuxedo. They both sing garbage songs. It's totally not worth a look. Um, but Tiff does hit some big notes, and she's arguably the better talent. Did you ever watch Star Search, Big Man? I know I watched it. I um, it would have always been in the background, though. Like I would have yeah. never specifically no. tuned in. I I never really recall my mom making a point of watching it. But no. my mom loves like American Idol and all those shows, so I'm imagining she would have been a big Star Search fan yeah. back in the day. I don't remember watching it uh, very much. Maybe I saw clips, but it did uh, feature a ton of future big names over the years. I mean, you got Tiffany. But to add to that, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Christina, uh, Aaliyah, Leanne Rhymes, Usher, Destiny's Child, and Alanis Morissette. So, Star Search. Yeah, and Joey Gladstone once in uh, <laughs> fucking Full House, you know? Amazing. Uh-huh. All right, back to Tiffany. Um, in 1986, she signed a recording contract with George Tobin, who was one of those, like, Svengali-type music predators. Uh-huh. You know, the ones who take total control over the artist's careers and then, you know, like, run them into the ground with touring yep. and, and recording while banking as much po- money as possible for themselves. Yep. Um, in 1987, uh, Tiffany recorded her debut. It was a self-titled album. It was released on MCA. Uh, the first single was a song called Danny. No, not about your, your, your not, old dog. Not about my dog? That'd be great. <laughs> uh, Danny was a total flop. It failed the chart. It is generally a really boring trap track. Uh, even by that mid-80s pop standard. Um, looking for a way to market her, Tobin sent Tiffany on a nationwide tour of shopping malls. Smart. Uh, the tour was called The Beautiful You, colon, Celebrating the Good Life Shopping Mall Tour 87. <laughs> Such a mouthful. Yep. I had opened Tiffany up to a large audience of teenage white girls. Mm-hmm. So for anybody listening who's younger than us, I mean, malls were a big deal when we were younger. Oh, yeah, malls were the shit. That was where... People kind of went to do everything, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Remember, there was no six and spending a day with my pals walking around St. Vitale Center like a goon. Like, there's no internet and all that bullshit, no. right? And we had, so we were in Winnipeg, so we had kind of run of the mill shopping malls, like yes, stores and a food court, right? Yeah, and like the tiniest food court ever back then. Yeah, whereas some of these banging American malls would have oh, the stores, the food court, an arcade. Oh, uh, which would have been a big deal at the time. Yeah. And and now they throw in all this other entertainment shit. I went to a mall a couple of weeks ago in uh, near New York that has a ski hill. <laughs> so, oh, amazing. Yeah, ridiculous. Amazing. You know, it's funny. I remember in 1984 uh, going to my uncle's wedding in um, Edmonton. And, I mean, West Edmonton Mall was like the greatest thing I'd ever experienced. Oh, I can imagine. Yep. It was so good. Um, and then, of course, Mall of America, even back in, like, 1995 when we went. I was like, hi, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yep. But, you know, that's, that was malls back then. So, yep. yeah, she did the big mall uh, mall tour. Uh, it was coupled with the release of the second single off the album, which would rocket Tiffany into the pop stratosphere. So um, we're going to take a quick look at the uh, stats on I Think We're Alone Now. 
her self-titled debut album, and I think we're alone now. We're recorded between 1984 and 1987. I don't have any any concrete dates um, or where it was recorded. It was written by Richie Cordell. As mentioned, it was originally recorded by Tommy James and the Shondells. Tiffany's on vocals. Uh, we've got uh, John Duarte with drum programming and synths and Chuck Yannick on guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, George Tobin produced, and the most generic name ever, Bill Smith, was the engineer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just dunking on some dude because of his name. <laughs> yeah. I Think We're Alone Now was released as a second single off the album in August 1987. Uh, the track, you know, it bops along. It doesn't have that kind of secretive feel of the original. Uh-huh. There's really no musical subtext in, in, in the Tiffany version. No. It's just a classic 80s pop song. Kind of thin and metallic, you know. There's a sassy synth breakdown, though. We get some layered vocals. There are some generic guitarists peeking in and out. Um, I went to the, our, one of our favorite sources, um, old uh, old Tom Brahan over at Stereo Gum. Ah, because it's hit number, number one. Column. Spoiler alert! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. Well, I mentioned it hit number one earlier mm-hmm. on in the in the in this episode. Come on, keep up there, buddy. <laughs> uh, George Tobin's production is a cheap, blimpy thump. Everything other than Tiffany's voice seems to be fully synthesized. There's no real dynamic range to the song. On the chorus, Tobin doesn't let everything drop away. Instead, it keeps up its same generically energetic boom throughout. As a result, Tiffany's version of the song lacks drama. But in its cheap and low-key way, it mostly works. Uh, That melody pairs delightfully with those lyrics, and the rawness of her voice helps things. When you've got teenagers singing about teenage things, it's fine for the end product to sound a bit unprofessional. Um, Tiffany's take on I Think We're Loud Now is nothing like the Tommy James version. Tommy James sings that song with a harried, almost fearful sort of desperation. He sounds like he's taking a big risk, looking for a place to be alone with a significant other. The music reflects that horny anguish and drops into a hush on the chorus. By contrast, Tiffany sings the song with a confident, booming bellow, a sort of unformed teenage take on Stevie Nicks' mystic rasp. Tiffany doesn't sound like she's worried about being caught. She sounds like she's taking complete control of the situation. She doesn't modulate her singing the way James does, but I love the way she belts out the tried to get away into the night bit. She sounds like she's not really not worried about whether they're whether or not they're alone now. Well, the context of the song is a little different in the Tiffany version. Yeah. Right? It's the original like version's all about banging, son. Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, that's no, exactly. We're alone, so we're going to do a little slip action. Whereas yeah, no. in 1987, this is just like a wholesome, like fun yeah. track, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Our parents so, aren't around, so we can goof off. Like that exactly. Kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the seven-inch version of the single is the same as on the album. It clocks in at three minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, that's super hits approved. Yep. Um, there is a single version on the 12-inch that runs 4:25 and a totally unnecessary extended version that is come on six and a half minutes long. Why? I don't know. There's also a dub version of the same length. Again, I don't know why. I didn't listen to any of them. I checked there are 44 versions of the single on Discogs. Uh, the 7 inch has a track called No Rules on the B side. It's actually not bad. It kind of sounds like a Rick Springfield track with Tiffany singing. The cover of the single is Tiff in another kind of tuxedo. Uh huh. This time of the Canadian variety. Oh, so much denim. Jean jacket paired with blue jeans. She's got a cable knit white sweater on underneath the jacket, so she's definitely cozy. I uh, should mention that I have the Canadian 7-inch version released off of MCA Records in 1987. No Rules is the B-side. You can pick this thing up for about a quarter on Discogs. So Nice. Yeah. Uh, 10-year-old me, big fan of the look and of Tiffany overall. Uh, I think We're Alone Now appeared on a ton of compilations. Here's some notables that I found. There's a 1987 concept record collection called hits the girls oh that's which has an unfortunate title but uh, it's actually really good yep 
Um, and it's it's H apostrophe it's so mm-hmm. it's like it's the girls but it's yeah it's really it's not good. They've we've got something called Record Breakers '88 and another one called Super Ladies of the '80s. I, I had like that one. Rhyming on that. I had that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, there's one called All Stars the album and no, it doesn't feature. God, <laughs> Court of the Patriarchs over Genesis. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so I'm inside. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's just kind of a bunch of pop and rock tunes, including something, uh, a song called Alphabet Street by Prince. Oh, interesting. So there you go. Yeah. Also, there's a, it's on, now that's what I call Music 12, uh, The Sound of Hit Music Volume 2, and a collection called Super Original Hits. Oh, wow. So (laughs) That's our spinoff podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Super Original Hits. Uh, The big one, of course, uh, we've talked about it before, 1988's Quality Records release. Rock 88. Yes. Um, we mentioned it on episodes 51 and 54. I had this cassette, and I have to think we'll be mentioning this one again at least once sometime down the road. <laughs> Good. Tiff uh, put out a bunch of greatest hits albums, uh, most of which I I assume most of which include, I think we're alone now. I mean, I can't imagine they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, best 16, best of the best, best one, all the best, greatest hits. I think we're alone now, 80s hits and more, and greatest hits of the 80s and beyond okay sure whatever you say tiff (laughs) i think we're alone now has appeared in a number of tv shows and movies including uh a 1988 episode of full house yes do you know Um, what do you know that one i don't know that one joey lets the girls stay up late to watch tiffany perform live from tokyo in a mall and uh and then of course danny does not like that because the girls aren't supposed to stay up late and so Conflict. You know what? Joey was correct. Uh, they wanted to watch one of their favorite stars. You can let them stay up late one. Hey, one. spoiler alert. They talked it out. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, there's a 1993 episode of Beavis and Butthead where they watch the video. Uh-huh. Uh, Beavis calls it mall music. Uh-huh. Butthead says she has to play in a mall because she sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they also discuss who would win in a fight between Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. Oh, wow. I believe that they say Debbie Gibson would win, but I don't think she would. I don't think that. I think Tiffany would beat the fuck out of Debbie Gibson. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then uh, Taylor Dane, who we've mentioned previously, would come in and shit kick both of them. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. Um, It appeared in the uh, 2008 documentary Religious, a uh, 2009 episode of Dancing on Ice, the 2012 film Ted, a 2015 episode of The Goldbergs, the 2017 film Ted 2. Mm-hmm. An episode of Scream Queens, a Scream Queens, a 2017 episode of What the Sexy Boy Did. Oh, sorry, sorry, a 27 ep- 2017 episode of Beat Shazam. <laughs> Jesus, come on, yes, man, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I win so bad. A 2017 episode of Future Man. We've got uh, the 2019 film, Ugh, Blinded by the Light. Isn't that one about Springsteen? I think so. Yeah. Ugh, a 2019 episode of Umbrella Academy, and a bunch of other things. I'm not even going to go through them because I'm just like, enough. Yeah. Uh, live versions. I guess she sang this at a bunch of malls and probably at every concert she's ever played. I'm sure. I don't think there would be one concert you could find where she's playing her pop catalog where it's not on there. I'm sure she did some country. I know she did a country album at some point. So maybe she did a country version of it. I bet you. Yeah, but I'm honestly, I got tickets to see Tiffany on her country tour. I hope she only plays country. Whoever said that? <laughs> So uh, that's the uh, that's the background and the quick facts. You want to go to lyrics? Uh, just before I do, I just want to say, yep. so I've got all the singles kind of listed here on Discogs. Yeah. And each single has this little, um, you know, a little photo of the album cover. Yep. Every single one is Tiffany's face. 
Like, oh, every single single she did. Every is her single face. is just her face. I mean, we know exactly what they're selling here. Yes, absolutely. So, anyways, all right, let's go to lyrics. Lyrics. I mean, <laughs> originally teens you want to hump, right? Yep. I mean, uh, it is slightly creepy considering it was written by an adult. Uh huh. Even back in the day, but I mean, overall, it's pretty tame. Uh, Does he? Well, hold on here. I mean, trying to think. Do they make? I mean, you have to. You have to probably probably have the lyrics up in front of you. Behave. Yeah, I guess. All right. So yeah. I kind of feel like that's underage. Yeah. Okay. That's sure. what I think. I don't have any real favorite lines per se. <laughs> the thought of the lovers uh-huh. running into the darkness so they can start boning out in the wilderness is kind of funny. Uh huh. Um, song facts had this to say about the um, about the song. Many things can happen when hormone-ravaged teenagers find themselves alone. This song is very innocent, but it's open to interpretation. In a Song Facts interview with Tiffany, she said, it was mysterious, it was a little cheeky, but there wasn't anything really bad. It was just a little rebellious and a little bit what teenager feels. Spending time with that person, checking that person out, having that alone time with them no matter what happens. I definitely have heard some stories about where that song has gone over the years. With some fans, I'm like, too much information, thank you very much. I mean, why is she commenting on a song she didn't write? I know. <clears throat> you Agreed. One hundred percent. Here's what I thought when I didn't write the lyrics. Uh, do you have any thoughts before I move to commenters? Uh, oh no, please, please. So one commenter on Song Facts, his name is Cyber Pope, and he's from Richmond, Canada, and he wrote, "Why don't artists write their own material anymore?" <laughs> uh, frowny face. Sorry, and I just thought, like, where have you been? Like, it, this song is thirty. Th- this version of this song is thirty-four years old. Yep. Even now, and you know, this comment was probably from a few years ago, but like, this has been going on since like the 50s, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you complaining about? That was it, really, for song facts. But song meanings had a few, uh, a few uh, interesting comments. Let's, let's, let's take it. Let's delve in. Over on song meanings, S.K. Rouse wrote, "My interpretation of the song is about a situation many of us find ourselves in in our teenage years. Underage sex is still somewhat <laughs> a shady topic." And that is definitely what this song is talking about. I compare this to perhaps Romeo and Juliet. Maybe the couple in the song aren't supposed to be together as far as family pressures. However, when love feels right, you have to get away from it all and take your chances together. All right. Well, I mean... Very deep. It's not the worst comment we've read from there, so... It's not. Well, you know, I like to build these up a little bit. Yes. You know, I like to start slow. Uh We Rum wrote, this song is awesome. I think she's into porn now. I mean, and I to that I say I mean not not at all. I mean she posed for Playboy in two thousand two, uh-huh. and that's it. I I wouldn't quite call that. I mean that's modeling. Yeah. Anyway, Kimi Tala wrote. Well, actually, since the song doesn't put any he's or she's in the lyrics, it could be either. I think it could be about any kind of relationship, a lesbian couple or a straight couple. And if it were sung by a male, it could be about two guys. In general, it's just about two young people in love who have to, for whatever reason, keep their love a secret. The rest is up to our personal interpretation. To that, I say, yes, absolutely. Very progressive, yes. And then, of course, on song meetings, people jump down this person's throat. Oh, no. (laughs) That it's not about same-sex relationships. When in, like, people are are awful. She didn't say say it was, by the way. She just said it it could could be be about anything. Of course. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, my favorite, though, uh, Taylor Millie wrote, sorry to wreck your childhood, kids, but this song is actually written about a relationship, a sexual relationship he had, she had with a male cousin. <laughs> okay. Just wildly <laughs> off base. I like, love how it's even... that she had. Again, she didn't write the song. <laughs> write the song. <laughs> all right. It's from 20 years earlier. Amazing. Anyway, let's go to reception. 
So I think we're alone now. Entered the Billboard Hot 100 on August 29th, 1987 at number 84 uh, between John Waits' These Times Are Hard for Lovers uh-huh. and Watching Over You by Glenn Medeiros. It peaked at number one in the U.S. 10 weeks later on November 11th. Uh, the rest of the top 10 that week, we had number two, Madonna with Causing a Commotion. At number three, Moni Moni by Billy Idol. Uh, we mentioned this when we talked about Billy Idol uh, way back in the day. But I, my notes here are, what a time for Richie Cordell. I mean, the money must have been insane, Oh, I, right? yeah, right? And I, I forget what the order was. We talked about this in the Moni Moni episode. But one song replaced the other at the top of the charts. The only time the same band had a cover of their song replace a cover of their song at number one. So Moni Moni replaced I Think We're Alone Now two weeks later. There you go. Uh, number four, Fleetwood Mac with Little Lies. Number five, Bad by Michael Jackson. Uh, number six, I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. Swing Out Sister with Breakout at number seven. At number eight, <laughs> Brilliant Disguise by Bruce Springsteen. Uh-huh. Uh, Expose at number nine with Let Me Be the One. And at number ten, Pep. Pet Shop Boys with It's a Sin. You know, Tiffany hanging with some heavy hitters in that list. Madonna, Billy Idol, MJ, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, crazy. Pet Shop with Springsteen. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll now also hit number 38 on the Adult Contemporary Chart, number 26 on the Dance Club Songs Chart. Um, internationally, it had a pretty strong chart performances. Uh, 24 in Aust- Austria, 18 Finland, 13 Australia, 10 in Iceland and Switzerland, 9 in France, 7 in Italy, 3 in Norway, 2 in Belgium and Denmark and the Netherlands, and number 1 in uh, South Africa, Ireland, and New Zealand, put into that group, the UK. Uh-huh. Hit number 1 during the week of January 24th to 30th, 1988. Uh, the rest of the top 10 in the UK that week is quite a list. Okay. We've got a number two, uh, a, a, a classic, Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. Nice. We've got Terrence Trent Darby at number three with Sign Your Name. Mm-hmm. A group called, or a band, or a person called Crush with a K at number four with House Arrest. Oh, wow. And this might be my favorite song to chart in a top ten ever in the, in, in the whole time we've done this. At number five in the UK, Morris Minor and the Majors with Stutter Rap. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Such right. a, it's a, <laughs> that song is terrible, but also awesome. Yep. At number six, Bros, but with When Will I Be Famous. Uh-huh. Joyce Sims at number seven with Come Into My Life. <laughs> Here's another one that just sounds interesting. Number eight, The Beatmaster featuring The Cookie Crew with Rock the House. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. <laughs> the Cookie Crew is, is a, with no C. The Cookie it's Crew is R-O-K. a great name. The Beatmaster. Uh-huh. Another super hits uh, subject back in the day, uh, Dollar with uh, L'Amour. Oh, yeah. And at number 10, Climby Fisher with Rise to the Occasion. And my thought on that was, is there a more UK name than the first name Climby? <laughs> Not at all. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's go to Canada, where I, think you're lo- where I think we're alone now, entered the RPM Top 100 on October 3rd, 1987 at number 89. <laughs> Um, it was between Diamond, uh, the Diamond in the Rough song, Where is Love? Mm-hmm. That was below it. But what was above it at number 88 was Surf and Bird by Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I love Canada. Uh-huh. <laughs> My God. Um, I listened to that. It's absolutely terrible. Okay. Um, nine weeks later, it peaked at number one in Canada on December 5th, 1987. Uh, the rest of the, t- the RPM top 10 that week. Number two was Moni Moni. Uh, I assume it replaced it, or I think we're now replacing Money Money. I actually didn't look that up in Canada, so I apologize. 
I've had the time of my life at number three. Heaven is a place on earth on number four. George Michael with Faith at number five. Blue Rodeo with Try at number six. Ah, CanCon. Yeah. Uh, George Harrison with Got My Mind Set on You at number seven. I've Been In Love Before by Cutting Crew at number eight. Sting with We'll Be Together at number nine. And Causing a Commotion by Madonna is at number 10. That top 10 is top heavy and then just drops off. Yeah, but I think the Canadian top 10 list wins this round. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's got faith and yeah. heaven is a place on earth on it. Awesome. Uh, on the end of the year charts in 1987, it was number 23 in Canada, number 18 in the U.S. And then in 1988, it was number 76 in Canada and number five in the U.S. So got stronger as it went on in the U.S. Uh, over in 1988. Uh, I think we're alone now, certified gold in Canada and the U.K. and platinum in the U.S., over on Spotify, it has almost 175 million streams. On YouTube, uh, the official music video, which we'll get to, has uh, 95 million views. Uh, in 1988, at the peak of her popularity, Tiffany was embroiled in a conflict in which Tobin, her and Tobin fought her mother and stepfather over control of her career and earnings. Mm -hmm. This led to a court fight in which Tiffany tried to have herself declared an emancipated minor. This was rejected by the court, but the judge did allow her to move out of her mother's home and her grandmother who was sided with her during the trial, became her temporary guardian. Uh, it's a reminder to everybody, all this is happening. She's like 16. Yes, yeah. So craziness. It doesn't get mentioned enough. But let's talk covers and samples. Let's do it. So who sampled lists uh, 13 covers of this track? Um, though I guess they're technically covers of the original. Yeah. But they're not because some of them are kind of in the style of the Tiffany version, you know, I don't know. You, you can imagine that anything that came after this song came out would have, they would have, their intention was to cover this version. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a 20, 2004 version by a group of dorks called uh, Comadre. <laughs> um, it's a really bad, like pop punk version. Okay. There are a few other pop punk, pop punk covers of this song that suck hard. Uh, that genre is so annoying, uh -huh. by the way. Anyway, in 2006, there's a group called Girls Aloud. It's not good. There's a 2008 version by an electronic group called The Birthday Massacre. It's really loud and sort of not terrible, I guess. Okay. And of course, there's I Think I'm a Clone Now. Uh, yes. By Weird Al off of his 1988 album, Even Worse. I had that on cassette. It was a great album. Uh, the song is fine. There are a bunch more versions more closely related to the sound of the original. So I'm not going to go into those. Okay. There are three instances of, of uh, this track being sampled in other songs. There's a track called 10 by someone named JJ from 2012, a song called More by Hanu Lilori in 2011, and a mashup of tracks from 1987 by the Hood Internet. I didn't bother to listen to any. <laughs> okay, that is fine. Move on to the video. So, according to the Wiki, the accompanying music video for I Think We're Alone Now was directed entirely by George Tobin. Uh-huh, of course. And shot in numerous shopping malls in Utah, which uh, echoed the way her early career had been promoted. The Fashion Place Mall in Murray, Utah. The Crossroads Mall in Salt Lake City, Utah. The 49th Street Galleria in Murray, Utah. And Ogden City Mall in Ogden. Um, no, no sexy city malls, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, elements of the video were filmed in the now demolished Bullring Center in Birmingham, UK as well. Nice. Uh, I mean, I just took some general notes. I mean, I, I, not even chronological to be honest. I mean, it's super cheap looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a really, like, it's a, it's a variation on the version. I don't know if it's like from an extended mix or something, but it's like a different mix of the song. 
So there's like this really brutal electric guitar riff that's quite bad yeah. throughout. Um, right out of the gate, the crowd in the first mall, they look so bored. <laughs> yes. At some point, Tiff poses with a giant inflatable Gumby. There are a bunch of different shots of her singing in different locations, like in an alley, in the recording studio, of course, in the malls, by a river, etc. You know, then she's on a boardwalk on the beach yep. doing this dancing where it looks like she's auditioning for it to be on In Living Color. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. It's just terrible. Um, then they show her dancing with an old dude with just a massive comb over. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we get lots of filters and slow motion. Um, in fact, it was, it was so bad at a point I thought like the video was lagging on my browser, but it wasn't. Uh-huh. I All I had to say about the video was this version of the song is not very good. They mix in the crickets. They add an extra chorus. They add a little tag at the start of Tiffany singing like a different kind of thing. Yeah. He does lean into switching up her vocal delivery from the album version, which is good, but it's pretty disjointed. At the end, she's at the airport. She points at a baggage claim sign, and wouldn't you know it, she rides the baggage baggage carousel as the song ends. So saucy. Do you have any thoughts on the video, or do you want to rate it? So I guess Tiffany went on summer vacation, and they yes. and then they showed clips from it, because that's what this pretty video much. feels like. Pretty much. She's having a lot of fun. So yep. oh, I yeah. like I like that. Uh, she's the, having a lot of fun. She's I having mean, any shots of her crew. You're kind of like these guys just don't care. Yeah, some of the mall scenes, um, people are somewhat into it. Some of them they just shoot the crowd, and I'm like, is that even from the concert, or did they exactly. just find the crowd? Also, I have to think it's got to be fucking like weird to perform in a mall. Oh, absolutely. Like the you know the especially, especially as an unknown early <clears throat> on. Right? Yeah, and like. You don't have any lights going on, right? Like in a yeah. concert hall, the lights are down. This one, the lights yeah. are, are full on bright. People yeah. have to decide if they're going to be into what you're doing or not. You can't really have that big a crowd, I think. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure, we'll you see. know, yeah. in her in the later days, I bet you she, Tiffany t- shut down malls. I'm sure she was that big. Yeah. But, but early on. Yeah, but early on, I mean, that would have been tough. Um, There's a scene in black and white where she's singing by a train, which... <laughs> I don't know what they're doing that. Next to used to sing by a dumpster. Yeah, yeah. Classic, right? Soulful. And uh walking around a lot with her hands in her hair, which yes, I absolutely. don't know if she's trying to be playful or sexy. If it's sexy, I'm creeped out. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, there are a lot of outfits though, a lot of fashions. Yeah. We've got a lot of that going for it. I wanted to say as as two of us who have who have played in a mall before at the uh, Camp Snoopy in the Mall of America. Yep. You know how it's hard to play in the, in the, in the daylight. I it sure is. Think. Us experts. Yeah, of course. All right, ratings? Ratings, yeah. Let's do it. <clears throat> All right, rate this video, buddy. Uh, I'm going to give the music video a six. Uh, nice. I think it did its job. It's like, yeah. it, it doesn't bore me. You, Tiffany's supposed to be young, exciting, fun. Uh, and she looks like she's having a good time. She performs in malls, so you see her performing yes. in malls, and then they're going to advertise her performing at a mall near you, so it's kind of the perfect advertisement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Like, it's... it. You know, the production quality isn't through the roof or anything, but, I mean, it's shot well enough, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. I wasn't... I didn't hate it by any means, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a six. Definitely seemed to me like she's having fun. I mean, she's, like, 16 here, so I can't really hold any of the overt dorkiness against her. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a unique video for the time. Uh, the production value is pretty 
pretty bad on on a lot of it but that's okay the audio mix is actually really embarrassing yes and uh i i think it's bad uh, i think it's an interesting time capsule uh, for the time i'm gonna give it a five out of ten it's not great but it isn't is it in bad and uh i, I you know I, I i wouldn't like actively avoid watching it again yeah what do you think of the song I give the song a five i don't again i don't hate it but i don't think there's anything to it it's hmm. she's singing a cover song it's yeah. it's an updated version of a song from 20 years before the vocals sound fine uh, it's yeah. a fun tune for people to dance to still to this day at socials mm. in manitoba of course. You know, it's held up it's held up for that uh after again, you know, 30 some odd years. Mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I I I could live without hearing it ever again. Yes. But I obviously don't dislike it. I just think it's pretty run of the mill uh stuff. Yep. So give it a 5. I think it's a pretty weak cover of a song that really should have been a slam dunk. But again, I I am considering the you know, the artist as well and, and and her age and all that. I mean, they couldn't have known that it would blow up like this. I feel like it could be, it would have been it would have been better served to be like um, by someone more established. But again, that's all part of how why it was popular. Uh, I'm more of a should have been me or drop that bomb kind of guy when it comes to Tiff. Yo, yeah, yeah. Uh, deep I, deep I, cuts. I, I, yeah, yeah, I much prefer her cover of "I Saw Her Standing There," where she changes the pronoun like a coward. Yeah. But again, she was young. Uh, I'm going to give the song a four or a ten. It's fine. You know what I'll say? Actually, it it makes sense that these uh, performances are all in malls because mm-hmm. it sounds like she went up to one of those booths that was in the mall in the 80s yes. where it's like, record your own track. And Yes, the, the backing track definitely sounds karaoke. Yeah, so they played this and she sang over it and got a CD and uh, or at that time awesome. a cassette tape and here's what we got. So That is the hottest of takes. Well done. What have you got for us next month, next Tuesday? Oh, next Tuesday we are going back to the 70s uh, yes. for almost an entirely instrumental track that... Yes has been covered so many times. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about Pick Up the Pieces by Average White Band, who are exactly that, because they're from Scotland. So <laughs> Awesome. Uh, yeah, so that, yeah, so that's what we got. And until next time, uh, hit us up again. We've got all our tracks selected all the way through Christmas, so go to Super Hits Podcast Playlist on Spotify or Apple Music to hear our tracks, and send us a request for the new year if you'd like. Superhitspodcast at gmail.com. At Super Hits Cast on Twitter, at Super Hits Podcast on Instagram. I'm still on those platforms. Slip with five eyes or sleep. I'm Jamie C. You can find me on my website at megamix.com. And uh, thanks for listening, friends. See ya. See ya.